Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations with the winners and finalists of the annual BC and Yukon Book Prizes, as well as interviews with book lovers from across the province and territory. My guest for this episode is stepping into a new role in her hometown of Nelson, BC, and here she is to introduce herself and to share with you a little bit about what that new role is. My name is Ingrid Love. I am the new executive director of the Elephant Mountain Literary Festival in Nelson, BC. Um, When I say new, I mean really new. I pretty much just started a couple months ago, Um, and it's yeah, really exciting to be someone who has an undergraduate degree in English literature working at a literary festival. That is a really exciting chapter in my life right now. In my conversation with Ingrid, we talk about our shared love of all things Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but more importantly, we talk about the Elephant Mountain Literary Festival and the amazing literary community in the Kootenays. Here's my conversation with Ingrid Love. If you could read only one book or watch only one TV show for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? That's a cruel question. (laughs) (laughs) I feel obligated to choose a book. However, I I think for me, truthfully, I could watch Phoebe Waller-Bridge's Fleabag every day, every hour of my entire life and not be tired of it. It's got the juiciest dialogue and character development of anything I've ever seen. It's just so punchy and funny and touching and so many things all at once. And there's also a really great play as well um, that the television series is based off of. And I could also choose the play as my, what would you watch for the rest of your life? Yeah, Fleabag. I haven't I feel like that one I need to do a rewatch of it like I only I watched it like when it was everyone was talking about it a few years ago and I loved it and couldn't get enough but I haven't watched it again and I feel like it's time have you seen the second season yes okay yes and I also watched um I'm probably gonna get the name of it wrong but I think it's called coupling which is on Netflix and she's in that as well um Yes. But I'm also obsessed with the fact that she like has all these writing. She writes for different movies. Like I think she was part of James Bond, the writing team for that. Like it's pretty cool. She does very cool things. I heard that she's in Indiana Jones that's coming out this year. I actually know that to be true because I've watched the trailer. Okay, so she's in it. She yes. didn't just do writing. I think that's so. I, I think I said to my husband, I'm like, I think that's Phoebe Waller Bridge and I'm just holding out hope that it is. When I watched the new James Bond, my partner is also a huge, huge fan of Fleabag. And we would hear lines go by and we would be like, Phoebe Waller-Bridge wrote that line. There's no way. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny how like I do that now with anything that um, Taika Waititi directs or is involved with. Like it's like you immediately can kind of pick up on his humor and his style of writing, like all the Thor movies. The newest one, especially, I was like, oh, yeah, this has got him all over it. Have you seen Thor? 
I haven't. I, it's actually on my watch list, but I absolutely love the uh, Belvedere Vodka commercial that he recently directed with Daniel Craig. Um, what an odd thing to be in awe of, but that, yeah, again, you can just see in the in the style and the humor choices who is behind it. Yeah, exactly. The screaming, there's screaming goats in Thor, and that's all I will say. They're amazing and super funny. <laughs> But we're here to talk about books, so we'll talk. stop talking about uh, Thor, which I guess is a comic book, so that's not too too far off. But have you always been a book person? You kind of alluded to this in your intro with your undergrad in English Lit, but would you describe yourself as a lifelong book person? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I was one of those people that would get all the library books as a kid and your parents would be kind of annoyed because you read through them already. And you're like, can we go back to the library so I can get more books and would take out as many as you could actually be allowed to on your library card. <laughs> I can't imagine doing that nowadays. That, that seems unfathomable. Like it's like 25 books or something like that. But I think maybe the question had asked what some of the books that inspired you or engaged you when you were a kid were. And, um, for me, Anne of Green Gables is a pretty keystone one. I think that there were other books that were really getting me to read, like Nancy Drew and that kind of stuff. But Anne of Green Gables really brought me into an interest in writing as well, not just in doing the reading, because I started thinking more about, wow, how did how does this get put together? How does someone go about doing this? Were you a fan of the the movies as well? I haven't seen them. Like even a very old one? No. With Megan Fellows? No. Are they good? It's amazing. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's it's a must. I mean, I haven't watched the like the very recent TV adaptation. Is it Anne with an E, I think it's called? Um, I haven't watched that one. I've I'm I'm kind of like a purist when it comes to things like this. Like I only like the nineties little women and I've seen the newer one, but in my mind only the one with Winona Ryder exists. I I have to erase the other one. So, um, yes, the very old, it might actually have been a TV show, not a movie, with Megan Fellows is very good. Noted. There's a really beautiful um, Japanese animation from also the 90s or maybe the early 2000s that was done for Anne of Green Gables. And it's surprisingly really good. And that's the only Anne of Green Gables adaptation I've ever allowed myself to dive into. Yeah. Were you into like Emily of New Moon and Road to Heaven Lee as well, or just Anne? Mostly just Anne. I don't know why the I wasn't super grabbed. I, I'm very guilty of leaving books half finished if they're not really fully pulling me in. Um, and I'm still doing that to this day as an adult. I sort of have a doom pile of books that I meant to finish, but then lost. And now they just sit there because they can't go back on the shelf. Uh, because I haven't finished reading them. And I'm not sure if they'll ever move out of the pile. <laughs> was that was that a hard thing? If you're if you have that? I wish I was more like that. I feel like very like beholden that I must finish all books. Um, but I, I think at the same time, it was probably was that hard for you? Given that you studied English literature and had to finish books for a class? Was that a challenge to have to stick with one or did you enjoy the reading as part of the classwork? 
I'm sure it was good for me to have to finish books, but I think that it may have contributed to how much quicker I actually am willing to put something down now um, post-university degree. It might have also contributed a little to me not picking things up if I'm not confident I'm going to enjoy them, which is not great. I would like to feel more confident about reading things that I'm not sure I'm going to like. That's that's something to work on. Uh, most most people I know who have come out of a degree with a lot of reading are kind of dealing with similar <laughs> challenges in their in their personal reading lives. <laughs> it's hard sometimes to find the joy in reading again when reading becomes like a chore. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you're someone with a doom pile, I'm curious: are there books that you've picked up? And kind of been skeptical about and that they really surprised you and that you couldn't put them down? Mm, yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I it's weird. I don't know why. I didn't really expect to enjoy Angela's Ashes. Maybe maybe just because it's it's kind of gross a lot of the time. Like, especially when I first started reading it, I was like, oh, there's so much snot in this book, and I don't know if I can stomach it, but uh powering through the snot uh ended up just absolutely loving it and being so charmed by the tone and voice of the narrator in that book and now i feel like we should probably start talking about um elephant mountain <laughs> literary festival but how did you become involved with the festival great question um so elephant mountain literary festival is currently you know it's a run by a nonprofit. And the people who are behind that nonprofit are an amazing group of Nelson authors, Nelson booksellers, Nelson people who work in the publishing industry, and just also some book obsessed, um, you know, people who will do anything to make a really cool event happen in their community. So that's already all wonderful and great. And one of those people was actually a teacher of mine um, at Selkirk College, Lisa Dean. She teaches creative writing over there. And I had her as a student several years ago. And she was like, hey, we have this thing coming up. I'd love to chat with you about it. Um, I'd been working with my local arts council for a while, kind of dipping my feet into some of these arts administration-y type things. And yeah, it was such a great fit for somebody who's literary obsessed and was also like, oh, maybe arts organization stuff is kind of cool. So yeah, thank you to Lisa Dean for pulling me in. And she has a book that just came out and she had me host her launch, which was like probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. Just coming full circle from being like a student to being hosting your teacher's book launch. Um, and she just had her book, The Filling Station, come out and it's really awesome. So I would recommend checking that out. It also has like one of the most beautiful covers uh, for a book I've ever scene it's got this shimmery font on it that I love <laughs> I love a good cover I know we shouldn't judge books by their cover but I mean book design is an art that needs to be recognized had you been going to the festival like did you go as an attendee all right so this is kind of embarrassing um I've only attended the festival once um and just one event 
Um, and that's maybe partially a combination of me not living here for a couple of years while going to university at a time when I probably would have been most interested in it. But I got to attend last summer and I have to say, like hearing Suzanne Samard speak at the festival was amazing. And I didn't even know she was from Nelson until I went to literary festival in my own town. And I was like, whoa, no way. I didn't even know that she was from here. And that just sort of opened my eyes to how broad our literary community here actually is. Were you, were you, um, did you go to literary festivals like where you were going to school and literary events? When I could, um, a lot of them were, you know, I, so I went to UVic. Um, so a lot of them were things that were happening as a part of the university. I think I really missed the opportunity to do a lot of things in Victoria because it was during COVID that I was there. So a lot of things were not happening or not happening in the form that they used to happen in. So can you, I mean, I, I've been to a lot of festivals uh, and every festival kind of has its own personality. How would you describe Elephant Mountain Literary Festival's personality? As a character? Um, well, one of the things that we're really working on focusing on, so I'm not sure if you can 100% say that this is our current personality, but it's the personality we want to cultivate is that... Um, our festival takes place in this beautiful, beautiful place. And we really want that to become integrated in the actual events and the flavor of the festival itself. So we're really looking at like using unique venues and um, yeah, just kind of making our setting a huge part of what the festival is all about. And then we're we're kind of an interesting festival because we're really for readers and writers at the same time. Like a lot of festivals kind of have one or the other that they're for writers to come and work on their craft and talk to other writers and network or that they are for readers to come and hear all of their favorite authors speak. And we're kind of because we're a small festival in a place that's actually really quite far away from other places with literary festivals I think the nearest other event might be 400 kilometers away from us. Um, so that's pretty far. And so we're trying to serve all our communities of readers and writers kind of equally at the same time. Um, so that, yeah, means that we are doing many things for many people all at once. And so there's sort of a smorgasbord of different things that you can experience at our festival. Yeah. And it seems like you're um, also doing a really interesting job of balancing like local folks like I know, like Suzanne and uh, I know Bob Keating, who uh, lots of people would know from CBC Radio. Um, I remember seeing them on your list of programming last year. But then, of course, you invite in uh, folks from a little bit further away, like I know uh, Shana Lambert was there. And so it, how do you balance that between like, you know, showcasing local talent and also, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with budget, but also bringing in folks from further away. Well, you're not wrong. Budget is definitely <laughs> always a factor. I mean, certainly I can think of people we would invite uh, in a heartbeat if we had the funds to do it. Um, but really, you know, thinking about who we serve, we're kind of tasked with two things, which is to 
showcase our local literary community and help people like me who didn't even know Suzanne Samard was from Nelson realize that they have all this talent um, that live like down the street from us and also bring in people who you may have never heard of who are not from here and um, expose people to that. So we kind of weighed it equally, I would say. Some years will be different than others and it it just depends on who's available and how many people decide they don't want to come to our festival and how many people decide that they do. Yeah. So uh, we've talked a little bit about the beautiful landscape and location and maybe you could talk a little bit about what is unique and special about the literary community in the Kootenays because I know in a way you serve the whole East and West Kootenays but uh, but also in Nelson in particular. Yeah so what's really fascinating about Nelson is while we are like super rural uh, you know Vancouver and Calgary are both pretty far away you're doing a full day of driving to get there. We're rural and also our airport reliability is a bit of an issue out here. You may know about that. <laughs> it's oh, not yes. the easiest <laughs> place to get to, uh, but it's a rewarding place to be once you're here. Despite that, it's an incredibly urban place. We have a literary festival. We have a mural festival. We have um, all kinds of interesting and slightly niche arts things happening that are not usually happening in a community that is, you know, I think our last census said what we're like 10,000 people technically in Nelson. So that's super unique and really sets a stage for a lot of creativity to have um, all of these events and also all of these people like we are densely populated with artists of all genres and really especially there's so many writers living here and they're all at different stages in their careers and whatnot but a lot of them are talking to each other and you know saying like hey you should check out this publisher get your work in there there's a lot of yeah growth and like community around writing here in the Nelson and the Kootenays as well like I can only speak in a kind of limited way for the broader Kootenays but there's very much a sense of like Kootenai writers is a thing and yeah so it's lovely that we have this literary festival that you know sort of feeds back into the writing that's already happening here yeah as you know you're just getting started in this role and I'm sure you have lots of exciting ideas what are you looking forward to in 2023 and this can be for the festival or it can be like what books you're super excited to read <laughs> Well, um, the short answer would be everything. Um, <laughs> but okay, the, the longer answer is um, I have this incredible team that is so energetic right now about putting together an event that's fresh with, you know, we're, we're changing some things. We are moving our festival to September. So we were previously at the very end of June and now we are holding it uh, the week of September 11th to 17th, which is like big book energy time for at least certainly for our area. But I, I think broader speaking, when it starts to cool off, people want to pick up their books and be cozy and 
yeah, there's, there's something about that time that starts to get people wanting to read stories and write stories. So it feels like a great time to hold a literary festival. So the move to September is, is exciting in and of itself. I'm really excited to, yeah, work with my, my team and really excited to start inviting authors that I've always wanted to hear speak, come here. I hope some of them say yes. Um, we'll see. That's all in the works, but I'm sure, I'm sure we will, we'll build up and get some, whether that's 2023 or further down the line. It's might sound silly, but I'm just really excited to prove to myself that um, I personally can, you know, make this a successful event this year is my first time doing this. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to see who comes. That's also one of the things is you put all the effort and planning into doing an event and you're like, okay, who's going to come? And you don't know until the day of the event. So that's going to be exciting for me on September 17th when we have all of our things done and we're going, okay, who came? Did we sell out? What happened? That was Ingrid Love. Ingrid is the executive director for the Elephant Mountain Literary Festival. If you would like to find out more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Prem Gill. Prem is the CEO of Creative BC. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.